Welcome to my Parsha Shir. This week we're going to be looking at Parshas Kisavoy. Thank you so much to my dear friends Aaron and Lillian Fuchs and to Jason Fuchs for sponsoring this Parsha Shir in memory of Lillian's mother and Jason's grandmother, Sylvia Glatter, Zelda Baslea, Aleha Hasholoim, whose yard site is on the 14th of Elul. May her neshama have an aliyah and may we all be zoicha to see Tuchias Hamesim. Parshas Kisovoi contains one of the most harrowing passages in the whole Torah. It's called the Teichocha or Teichecha. This section is a series of frightening psukim that contain all of the terrible occurrences that will befall the Jewish people if they don't stick closely to the expectations that God has of them. And do you know what is so depressing about the Teichocha? If you read it through line by line and you read it with a hindsight of history, guess what? It all happened. Every last detail recorded in the Torah came to pass later on as history unfolded. We had wars and we had violence. We were banished from our country. We starved and we endured persecution. We were hated. There were pogroms. There was mass murder. There was genocide. There was displacement. You name it. We've had it. But the crazy thing is this, we're still here. The Jewish people, the Jewish religion, the Torah, our faith in God, it's absolutely indestructible. You may be aware that there is a custom in many Jewish communities to read the Teichacha section quietly when we do the public reading from the Torah during the service on Shabbos morning. The rest of the parasha we read out loud, but this section we read it in a low tone. It's too sad. It's too depressing. It's too downbeat. But the Klosenburger Rebbe, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, who lost his wife and all his 11 pre-war born children in the gas chambers of Auschwitz, he insisted on having this section read out even louder than the rest of the Sedra. He wanted to remind God that he'd already carried out all of these prophecies and that now it was time for the other prophecies to be realized, the good prophecies, the ones that promise peace and tranquility, the ones that promise love and prosperity, the ones that promise good health and a wonderful life. Dear God, he was saying, let the pogroms and the inquisitions and the death camps be done with and let the Messiah come. Don't give people of faith a hard time with pain and suffering. Instead, bring them together for all the bounty of God's plentiful blessings. In the introduction to the Teichocha, before getting to the negative section, in other words, at the end of the initial, much shorter section that has all the blessings, the Torah proclaims, which translates as, and you will be only on the top, and you will not be on the bottom. Now, at first glance, this seems like tautology, doesn't it? Think about it. The second part of the statement is completely unnecessary repetition. Once the Posuk has said that you will be on the top, isn't it obvious that you're not going to be on the bottom? So what is the Posuk talking about? It's a good question, right? There's a shear on this exact point given by Rabbi Socha Frand, who, just so you know, more than three decades ago, was my teacher at Ne'israel Yeshiva in Baltimore. 
To delve deeper into this verse, into this posuk, he says, we can turn to the insights provided by the 19th century Polish rabbinic luminary, Rabtodek Akoyen of Lublin. Rabtodek was a fascinating man. He came from a Litvish background, which meant that his family's attitude to the Hasidic approach was not particularly positive. But Rabtodek fell totally in love with Hasidus, and in particular with the iconoclastic Hasidic approach of the Ishbitzer, Rabmotre Yosef Leiner. Rabtodek's published works, in particular his Pritzadik, are total masterpieces, a symphony of revealed and hidden Torah, spiced with the originality of the Ishbitzer Derech, and of course Rabtodek's own brand of brilliance. This is what he has to say about the posuk I mentioned. In Divrei Hayomim, Aleph, Perik Dalet Posuk Yud, the posuk says, Vayikra Yavetz el Elokei Yisrael Leimor, In Beirach Tevarcheni, Verhirchavta Esgvuli, Vayoyodecha Iti, which means, and Yavetz called out to the God of Israel, saying, If you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that your hand be with me, and the posuk continues and comes to its conclusion. But the question is this, why did Yavet ask both for a blessing and for an extension of his territory, of his borders? Aren't these two requests intertwined? If you're blessed, then surely your territory, your borders, will be extended. This is where Abtsodok offers a profound understanding. Often, he says, we witness individuals who are bestowed with immeasurable blessings and abundant resources, but... Despite these blessings, they are completely overwhelmed. Despite their good fortune, they are not adequately prepared or equipped to manage and channel these divine gifts effectively. And guess what happens? It turns out to be a total disaster. Let me give you some examples. You're going to be shocked. I had a discussion about this exact topic with someone last week. We were talking about this guy who won the lottery, the Powerball lottery, last November in California. He won more than $2 billion. Did you hear that number? $2 billion. And another winner in California, just won in July, more than a billion dollars. These are eye-popping, jaw-dropping amounts of money. The person I was talking to told me that he had just bought a lottery ticket because he also wants to win the Powerball lottery. I said to him, I can't think of a worse curse than winning $2 billion or even a billion dollars. I'm The second guy only won a billion. But that's my view. There could be nothing worse. Let me tell you why. Have you ever heard of Jack Whitaker? Jack Whitaker was an American businessman from West Virginia. He made international headlines in December 2002 when he won a record-breaking $315 million Powerball jackpot. At the time, it was the largest lottery win in history for a single ticket. In media interviews, Whitaker told journalists that his life wouldn't change a jot. He was already quite wealthy. He had a contracting business, and apparently he had a net worth of $17 million. Bottom line, he was confident that the extra money he had won in the lottery wouldn't change his life at all. He could handle it. How wrong he was. Even Shakespeare couldn't have come up with a tragedy like this story, like the story of Jack Whitaker. What happened to him over the next 20 years until he died in 2022 is just shocking. 
here's a short summary of Whitaker's life after his big win. He opted for the lump sum payout and received $113 million after taxes. He was very generous with his winnings. He immediately gave 10% Meiser to charity and established a foundation to provide food and clothing to low-income families in rural West Virginia. But he also began to spend money like there was no tomorrow, and he spent it very unwisely. In addition to which, he became careless with cash. He was endlessly robbed and targeted by cheats and conmen. His teenage granddaughter, Brandy Bragg, that was her name, whom he loved very, very much and to whom he gave a $2,000 a week allowance, died of a drug overdose in his house. Unbelievably, he also became addicted to gambling, losing millions in casinos. His daughter, Brandy's mum, also passed away. His house burnt down. He was hounded by the media. Whitaker desperately tried to pedal back his crazy lifestyle with no success, and the lottery win became a plague that affected him, his family, his friends, and everyone who came into contact with him. But, you might say, at least he didn't die penniless, although that wasn't the case with David Lee Edwards. Like Jack Whitaker, Edwards won a significant lottery jackpot and then went on to experience a series of misfortunes. His lottery win came a year before the Whitaker win and was much more modest. He received around $27 million after taxes in a lump sum payout. Edwards was a convicted felon from Kentucky and he had battled drug addiction in the past. And do you know what? This lottery win should have been the answer to all his dreams. What a blessing. He now had all the money he needed to sort his life out, and he would never have to worry again. But guess what? That's not what happened. First off, Edwards went on a spending spree. He bought himself a mansion in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. He married his girlfriend in an expensive wedding in Malibu, California. He bought himself a fleet of luxury cars. He bought himself a private plane. He bought three losing racehorses and he even invested in a fiber optics installation company and a limo business for three and a half million dollars. He also spent tons of money on antique swords and armor and a range of other unique collectibles. Edwards told everyone that he was determined to enjoy his winnings to the fullest and he wanted to live life like a king. But he sank into increased drug use together with his wife. His health suffered. He kept spending the money that he'd put into stocks and bonds and after five years, just five years, by 2006, Edwards had spent almost all the money he'd won. He had to sell his mansion, he had to sell his cars, and he had to sell his antiques, and, are you listening to this? He eventually ended up living in a filthy storage unit that he owned in California, where he was surrounded by boxes of useless, worthless items, remnants of his former wealth. His wife left him and remarried. She still tried to take care of him because of their daughter that they'd had together, but it was impossible. His health went into a downward spiral, and David Lee Edwards died in 2013 at the age of 58. When he died, Edwards was in a state-run hospice, having lost everything. His daughter wrote on Facebook that she had inherited no money from him, not even a single penny. It was all gone. 
Unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. So that's the message that Rav Tzodek reads into the Posig in Divrei HaYomim. The dual request of Yaivetz, namely to be blessed by God and to have his borders expanded by God, captures this exact sentiment. In the end, receiving a blessing may be nice when you receive it initially, but it may soon turn out to be a total disaster if you don't have the capacity and the bandwidth to handle that blessing. Will you be able to nurture and utilize the blessing that it remains a blessing? For that, you need God to expand your territory, to expand your borders. Similarly, when the Torah says in Kisavai that we should be only on the top and also not on the bottom, the Torah is emphasizing more than just a physical or material position. Because if you're on the top, but you're also still on the bottom, how long do you think it will take you to be totally on the bottom again? I'll tell you what, ask Jack Whittaker, ask David Lee Edwards. They have the answer, and it's not a happy answer. The Torah wants us to aspire for both blessings and also for elevation. At the same time as we have whatever we have, and hopefully we continue to get more, we must simultaneously equip ourselves with more knowledge, more wisdom, more humility, more sensitivity, more judiciousness, so that we can handle those blessings appropriately. That way, we truly remain on the top. We can win the lottery in both character and in spirit, and we will never find ourselves on the bottom in terms of moral degradation or loss of values. Becoming an on-the-top person in life is a multifaceted and lifelong journey that demands more than just having more or having everything that you need. It involves actively looking beyond yourself, embracing generosity and deeply engaging with the people around you so that you become richer in deeds and experience and not just in material things. That's winning the lottery. Consider the metamorphosis from individuality and in a sense selfishness to collective responsibility. How can you do that if your borders don't expand? How is it possible if you remain the same person? Transitioning from singlehood to married life to parenthood is the perfect example. It is a journey that demands that individuals shift their focus outwardly, resulting in the expansion of emotional and moral horizons. If you remain the same as you were when you were single, when you get married, your marriage will be a disaster. If you remain self-interested and unsacrificing when you have children, what hope will your children ever have? None. Society today is obsessed with the idea of self-realisation, but that dream is actually a nightmare. At what cost do you remain obsessed with your own interests and with your own success? I'll let you into a secret. Do you know who ultimately suffers? Do you know who ultimately loses? You do. Because if it's all about being on the top for you, and you never expand your borders beyond you, you'll inevitably end up on the bottom. The balance will be off. The equilibrium won't be there. You will be the life journey equivalent of Jack Whittaker. You will be a fellow traveller with David Lee Edwards. It, it may not be as extreme as that, but it will be exactly the same thing. To understand this even better, I want to share the story of Sarah, a young woman 
originally from New York, who went to study in Jerusalem and decided she wanted to get married and live there. I heard this story from the head of the seminary, the girls' seminary she attended. For years, she couldn't find a husband, and she couldn't understand why. She was a pretty girl from a wonderful family, but it wasn't happening for her. One day, after some deep introspection, she realised what it was that was wrong. She realised that she was so engrossed in her own dreams for what she wanted that she hadn't allowed room in her life or for anyone else. Not a husband, not children, not a husband's family, no one, just herself. She decided that she wasn't ready to get married after all. And meanwhile, she joined a maternity unit at Charitetic Hospital as a volunteer. She started helping out mothers who were having babies, helping them cope with the stresses and strains of an expanded family. I don't need to tell you the rest of the story. After a few months, she met an American immigrant, a guy who had gone to yeshiva in Israel and decided to become a doctor. And now he was doing residency at the hospital. Within a few weeks, they were engaged. And soon afterwards, they got married. And now she was fully prepared. She had expanded her borders. She was elevated in every way and she went on to have her own beautiful family with her husband. The Gemara in Tamura Daf Tezayin Omadalaf has an additional twist to add with regard to the prayer of Yaivetz in Divrei Ayomim. What does Yaivetz mean when he asks for a blessing and then asks for expanded territory? Says the Gemara, do you know what he means? If you bless me with Torah, then expand my territory with students. It's such a beautiful Gemara. Do you know what this Gemara teaches us? This Gemara is teaching us something very profound. The path to personal expansion and holistic growth is intertwined with sharing wisdom and giving it back to others. If you are blessed with knowledge, it's a divine responsibility to share it. And when you share it, that will nurture both your soul and your character. Here's the basic example. If you know Aleph and you are now learning bass, at the same time as you're learning bass, you should already be teaching Aleph. Do you hear that? You know Aleph, so teach Aleph. That is what Yaivetz means by expanding your borders. And that is exactly what God wants. Let's go back to Reb Tzodok, who, inter who interprets a Talmudic statement from Tanis Daf Tesomad Aleph and provides an intriguing insight. The directive, Aser Bishvil Shetis Asher, give a tenth to charity so that you may prosper, is not some kind of mystical promise of wealth in return for giving charity. On the contrary, Reb Tzodok believes it is about making oneself indispensable to others. As one integrates into the lives of many people, God acknowledges this growing sphere of influence and responsibility by ensuring that each individual who does that will receive whatever it is that they need for them to serve their larger, expanded roles. This philosophy offers further clarity on the posit from our own parsha. You'll be only on the top and you will not be on the bottom. It underscores the importance of not just seeking blessings, but also acquiring the wisdom to wield those blessings responsibly, so that there will be many more blessings. Therefore, our collective prayer 
especially in these weeks before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are the annual days of individual and collective judgment, our prayers should be twofold. We should pray for blessings in abundance, and equally importantly, we should pray for the wisdom and capacity to harness those blessings effectively, ensuring that they bring fulfillment, not regret, a life of achievement and not a life of degradation and destruction. That is winning the lottery. May we all experience this double blessing in every aspect of our lives. And may this year bring blessings in the material sphere and in the sphere of wisdom and borders so that we can maximize on everything we receive from Hashem. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you.